Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. We are back in. Do I get to say ho, ho, ho? Santa will be here before we know it, but we know this, that we're here for the media takes and much more on the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. I am merely the somewhat capable host. I have made a list. I am checking it twice. No, not all of my shopping is done. So I'm more naughty than nice. I'm rhyming. I have no idea why I'm rhyming. Anyway, he is the purveyor, the owner, the operator of SportsMediaWatch.com. He is John Lewis, who is back aboard to talk all things Army-Navy ratings, to talk about the Heisman Trophy being given out, uh, that and the NFL continuing to succeed in prime time, although there's some COVID concerns now all over pro sports and could it affect the NFL? We'll see. Lots of subjects, lots, maybe some holiday cheer. I'm not sure, but John is back aboard. Good to, good to be back with you. How are things as we embark on another episode? Uh, things are uh, going about as well as they are for everybody, right, uh, this time of year. I have not bought a tree yet. Probably was good that. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to pry, but you don't even have a tree. You got you got to get there because we're almost yeah. to the point where it doesn't matter if you don't get there. Yeah, yeah, I got to get the tree. I haven't bought any gifts, uh, you know. Okay, that's a this week thing maybe for you. Yeah, well. So we'll get into that. In the here and now, we remind the audience that however you found this show through John's site, John's outstanding site, sportsmediawatch.com, or through a social media link, make sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, subscribe, Google Podcasts, Spreaker, wherever you get podcasts, Stitcher, etc. It comes automatically to you. It costs nothing. Don't, don't have to worry about paying for it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It costs nothing to get this podcast. We try to give you some interesting takes, enlighten you a little bit, talk about ratings, talk about news, talk about different things, topics that are going on in sports media. And we do so in the form of this podcast. So by all means, subscribe, find us. If you get a chance to review us, especially on Apple Podcasts, do it. More people will find us and see us the more of you that review us. That's how it moves up the rankings there as well on Apple. So in any event, do that for us. Let's begin uh, coming off the weekend. All the pageantry, all the circumstance was back. And CBS did score with the Army-Navy game with Navy's upset in that rivalry, that football rivalry. John, that was the 126th playing of that game. Uh, and Navy pulled off the upset win as, as nearly an eight-point underdog. So let's get into the ratings a little bit. CBS was touting this, but as always, we have you here to kind of uh, help navigate and guide us that, yes, it did well, but there's a couple of qualifiers, correct? Yeah, well, you know, I was up 50% from last year, but, you know, last year was when there were so many other games on. So this is the first time in a couple of years that it was by itself with no competition. And it was down from 2019 when uh, the last time it faced no competition. And in fact, it was actually the least watched edition of the game outside of last year since 2015. But realistically, you know, I mean, it's Army Navy. These are not good teams, right? Uh, 7.57 million viewers. And, you know, you can't just say, well, it's because it was the only game of the day. I mean, you had, uh, what, uh, uh, 
East Tennessee State versus North Dakota State at noon. <laughs> and that was the only game in that window. And that had 1.77 million, which, right, by right, the way, right. is pretty darn good for the FCS. Um, so there's clearly an interest in Army and Navy and the pageantry, the rivalry, the history. Uh, it's been very interesting to watch the viewership rise for this. It was a nothing burger of a game back in 2008, the year before they went to the week after the conference championships. Two rating was sandwiched in, you know, right. and, uh, moving it to the week after the conference championship games, uh, obviously last year being an exception, was one of the better moves we've seen from a ratings perspective uh, in, in sports media. It's really okay. worked out quite well. And I have to correct one thing before you get some heat and before you get some emails from the Army fans. They've actually been good the last three or four years, and they were eight and three coming into the game and have already made a bowl game for this year. Navy was the reverse. Navy was three and eight and upset them and denied them the outright commander-in-chief's trophy because Army had already beaten Air Force. Air Force had already clobbered Navy in the game at Navy, so now it's a three-way round-robin tie with Navy winning this game today. But Jeff Munkin's Army team has done really well, and there was a lot of, a lot of talk that he might try to leave Army and go to another big-time Division I program, but he's really ingrained there at West Point, and there's just something – uh, about that game and about those guys. And they showed it on CBS with the pageantry and the buildup. Uh, they stand at, a, at attention together after the game for the alma maters. It's just different. It's very patriotic. Um, it, it's, a, it's a neat thing to see. And for most, almost all of these guys, their football career is over. And now they're going into a career of service, at least for a few years after this game or after their senior year. So it is, it is something different. And I, I agree with you. I like the fact that it kind of has its own stage there in that, in that slot because it kind of it was getting lost there for a few years. It's just another game. It's not just another game for the reasons I was illuminating. John, just one follow-up thought on all of that. Well, you're, you're correct. I will say, you know, I'm not, I have no ties to Navy, but I feel like I got to take up here. Army's not playing anybody. Navy <laughs> played a full schedule of actual teams all season long because they're in a conference. They played a real, actual college football schedule all season, while Army went out there and scheduled UConn. They scheduled I UMass. I mean, they did get a good win against Liberty. They scheduled Bucknell, for goodness right. sake. I mean, right. let, let's, let's slow our roll. That's eight and three with some asterisks <laughs> to it. Okay? I like this about you when you come back for any heat or any hate on this you know there was a while though where army would struggle to win a game or two no matter who they were playing even if they were playing west point high they were going to have trouble and so they have been winning some games and they have been winning the important ones they won the air force game dramatically in overtime and they played that game in arlington texas and if i'm if i'm recalling correctly in all of my avalanche of college football duties and watching and you were watching and, and those listening to us were maybe watching this remember that air force brought a fighter plane into the stadium, the old Texas, the, the Texas Rangers baseball stadium and had the fighter plane sitting back behind the bench, like in center field of the outfield. There's nothing, there's nothing more intimidating when going against air force. And there's an actual air force fighter plane on their side uh, to go for, but neither one of them ever, none of these service academies ever have an aerial attack, including air force. They don't ever throw the football yet. They have the fighter plane at the game. Well, like I'm going to assume that, People at Army aren't intimidated by seeing an Air Force plane. <laughs> I think they're pretty good. True. true. That's true. They're not intimidated by much. A no. good point by you. Uh, I'm fascinated. We did see uh, NFL succeeding again relative 
obviously, to the different games, the different matchups. The Steelers, since last we talked, were playing Minnesota and were down 29 to nothing to the Vikings before roaring back for a great comeback and a last-second attempt to tie the game where the pass went incomplete on the final game in the end zone. A uh, about a 20-yard pass from Roethlisberger that would have potentially, with a touchdown and a two-point play, have completed the most remarkable regular season comeback the NFL would have seen in a 29-29 situation had they gotten both. There's no guarantee they would have gotten the two-point play had they caught the pass. Still, it was a great comeback. And, John, I know you're looking over the numbers of that, and then we'll kind of get into some of the games for uh, this weekend as well and how they did. But did, did that Thursday night game suffer because of how bad it was really for the first couple of hours? Surprisingly, no. It was actually up from Patriots-Rams last year. Uh, very odd that it did so well. It wasn't a good matchup on paper, and it was a terrible game for most of it. So that's a surprisingly strong number, I would say, 14 million viewers. You know, not it's not eye-opening or anything. It's not a season high or anything close. But a game like that, that should have been pretty low. So uh, 8.0 rating, 14 million viewers. Uh, I think you'll take it if you're Fox and NFL Network. They've only got one more, by the way. One of my uh, readers alerted me to this. They only have one more Thursday night game on uh, broadcast TV coming up. And then it's on to Amazon next year. Uh, so uh, we're coming to the end of that. But uh, 8.0, 14 million, you'll take it if you're a Fox and NFL Network. And please clarify, because I think this is pending disaster. Uh, the NFL seldom makes missteps, uh, but I think this is going to be coming up. The games are exclusively on Amazon next year and not even on the NFL Network and not even a few of them on the NFL Network. So it's an exclusive Thursday night only on Amazon Prime, correct? Yep. That is correct. A lot of people are going to be upset, but the NFL is going to be crying, uh, wiping its tears with cash, like in that Chappelle show sketch. I mean, they're, 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 they're not going to care a, a lick. But I believe, they, I believe they'll care a lick. I want your thought on this. I think when there is such an outcry, especially how do I politely do this? Because the other day in the mail, I got an AARP notification. Okay, so I'm sort of, I guess, now in the demographic. But when we start talking about older audience and they can't find the game, because bear in mind that for the last how long, John, for the for the decade or so that we've done this on Thursday night, we've had it on an over the air network at a channel that the the older crowd is customarily used to seeing NBC CBS, Fox, in addition to the NFL Network. We're now not going to have that. And if it's millions and millions that are upset and are not watching, I just, I foresee this to be a problem. I don't see from your reaction, I can see you as we're talking, that you that you believe it's going to be the same outcry or the same problem, or are you of the belief, as you just alluded to, the NFL won't care, even if it well, is an outcry? I don't think the NFL will care. I don't think any major corporation cares even slightly if people are upset about anything they do. That's just a general fact of life. But I do think the fact that the games will still be available locally on those over the year affiliates will save the NFL a little bit. So, you know, I mean, if you're in Boston and you want to watch Tom Brady and the Bucks and you can't because it's on Amazon, you'll be upset. But, you know, if you're in Tampa and you want to watch Tom Brady and the Bucks, you can just tune in to you know, whatever your local affiliate is. So I think that will save them some trouble. And then it sort of comes down to what a lot of people have Amazon Prime. So we talk about older folks of all the streaming services that older people would have, they'd have Amazon Prime because they already get Amazon Prime for delivery. 
You're not asking someone who's never heard of Hulu to sign up for Hulu or Netflix or, you know, YouTube TV. It's Amazon Prime, which they all have. Uh, everyone goes to Amazon, which, you know, I mean, we can talk about the morality of Jeff Bezos and people right. feeling like they can't go home in inclement weather and all of that. We can talk about that. But ultimately, Amazon is pretty firmly ensconced Disney style into the fabric of America now. And so the NFL picked the right partner. So you say, I say, stay tuned. Let's see. I, it would not surprise me at all at all if we get to like next mid-october early november and they work out some kind of deal with amazon where the games can be on the nfl network and reduce their rights fee or do something let's see i don't know if there's that big of an outcry i don't know what they will do i'm just on the front end saying there's going to be lots of screaming let's see how they not just streaming with a t but screaming with a c let's see how they do now i'm interested because moving on to Sunday, we had a Dallas Cowboy game that was a huge national game early with the Redskins on Fox. The late game on CBS, I worked as part of Buccaneers Radio. What a heart attack, crazy game uh, with the Buffalo Bills. That was CBS uh, with Jim Nance, Tony Romo. Want a quick Jim Nance story? I have one sure. for you on sure. the sportsmediawatch.com podcast. I'm standing, getting ready to get on the elevator. And again, we have rules and policies uh, in place where especially on the elevator, they, they want the Buccaneers employees, which again, I'm a contract employee to be in masks. They want us in masks in the press box when we're not around our own people in the booth. So I'm standing there in a mask and Jim Nance walks up right beside me and I'm talking to him and we're waiting on the elevator and there's a bunch of people trying to get on the elevator. And I say to him politely, I said, I'm not sure if we're going to get on that. He goes, you think we're going to get cut off? And I said, we might. And we get close. And one of the people recognizes me and says, with Jim Nance standing right there, TJ, you, you can get on. And I said, come on, Jim. <laughs> we're going to get on. He didn't say anything to Jim Nance next to me there for a second. So we got on. We went up to the press box. And he went to go do the game with, uh, with Tony Romo. And I've been in and around him. I don't really know that he knows me that way. He knows me kind of like as one of the Buccaneer guys. Uh, Etc. But he was around us enough last year because of Brady and the Bucks, and obviously the Super Bowl was at Raymond James Stadium with he and Tony Romo and Tracy Wolfson. So I had a little Jim Nance brush with greatness since last yeah. we talked. I thought I would share that with you. Yeah, no, that's, yeah that's uh, certainly interesting. I think uh, you know it's so fascinating the whole mask thing. You can't tell who anybody is. You know, right. I'm always surprised when people recognize me with a mask on. You know, like uh, I was in Boston. And one of my students who I'd only ever seen on Zoom, I recognized him with a mask on and he recognized me and it was weird. It was like, how, how, how do we recognize each other? How is that working? Because I've had situations, I've met people who, you know, I've seen on Zoom and I had no idea who they were seeing them in, in person because they had the mask on. It was actually more of a personal thing when they were on Zoom because I could actually see their whole face. Yeah, that's true. And so what's funny, again, I have 13-year-old twin daughters. They look astonishingly alike. What a surprise. They're identical. When they have the masks on and when they have their glasses on, they both wear glasses. Uh, good luck. And especially if they have their hair back in a ponytail or in a bun, you have no hope uh, just for that. So I can totally identify with, uh, with that part of it. So yes, we, we were there for that game. So my question, let me come back to my question. Cowboys were ahead big and then it became a close game. Same thing Buccaneers bills in the afternoon window as the main CBS game bucks were ahead big bills came back. How did those games do relative to the NFL still succeed 
especially with the Buccaneer game bleeding almost to eight Eastern time because of the overtime and the dramatics and the last second win. How did those games do, John? I mean, they did all right. The Buccaneers bills, 21 million viewers. It was down from last year, but uh, certainly nothing poor. You know, you got to keep in mind, everything's changed with the expectations of what a healthy audience is for the NFL. Even up to now, you know, it's kind of incredible to think the NFL has only had five windows all season with at least a 13 rating. Back in the actually, they've only had eight windows all season with a 12 rating. I mean, that would have been disaster territory a few years ago. But you know, things changed. So you know, get a rating in the middle 11s for the national window. Five years ago, you've been like, whoa, an 11, right? Like that should have had a 16, you know, something like that. But hey, this is the way. This is where it is now. And rating in the middle 11s is perfectly healthy for the NFL's national window, the main window. 21 million viewers, totally fine. Nothing too special. The Cowboy game, did the Cowboy game uh, do decently well as the early game? And I would assume most of the country had that one on Fox early on in the day. It did all right. But actually, I wanted to say, you know, as I say all that about the Bucks bills I'm looking in my archives and it's the lowest for the national window in week 14 in at least since at least 2013. Interesting. So let, me go, let me go break out my major database here and see if I can get you <laughs> an actual number before. John is scouring through the site uh, as we do this on the podcast. And again, you do a great job with the ratings and laying all of that out relative. So where does it rank or where does it come in? So this is 21 million is the lowest for the national window in week uh, 14 of the season in the decade since 2011. And uh, the second lowest since 2006. And the 11.6 rating is the lowest for the national window in week 14 since at least 2000. So all the way going all the way back to 2001 every year was higher in the ratings than that 11.6. That just says it all, doesn't it? What is acceptable now would be lower than every preceding year, but no one in their right mind was going to look at an 11.6 rating and 21 million viewers and think anything other than, hey, that's pretty darn good. And you've gone over this, but we repeat it for this podcast audience. You've gone on it repeatedly over the weeks and months here. Everything is down. It's not just sports. Network shows during the evening, during the week are down. Everything is down. And you're absolutely right. This is where the NFL has continued to soar with huge audience. Nothing has huge audience basically anymore except for live sports or maybe live events. Certainly uh, weekly dramas or sitcoms or even reality shows are down in audience. Other than live sports and lives of live events, most of the networks uh, have struggled uh, with that. So it's it's relative on that front. There was one other quirk, and I was talking about it with you before we hit the record button. CBS, and they've now done this with the networks, and John, you can elaborate on this. CBS got the benefit of having the San Francisco market in the late window because both CBS and Fox have begun to trade off games where it helps the other one the nfl makes them trade off some games where it helps the other one with how many major markets are you in on a sunday so Mm -hmm. typically fox would have had the san francisco cincinnati game um in the late window because cincinnati was the road team instead it was a cbs game it was an overtime game going on in overtime at the same time the buccaneer bills game was and my point to you was that's a top 10 market san francisco that never watched a second obviously of i don't think of buffalo and tampa bay so just a little bit of a quirk but they do this sometimes too where you'll suddenly see an afc market the patriots or the steelers or somebody like that 
on Fox as the road team because they're trading off the larger markets that are playing against them as well. Just thought I would throw that out there, elaborate or anything else on that, on how they do it. Well, you know, I mean, that's something they've been doing it for a long time now. Uh, I think everyone's just going to have to get used to it because I'm pretty sure the new deals do not even have the AFC and FC distinction anymore in them. Once those new deals kick in, whatever game you get is whatever game you get, you know? Uh, and uh, I mean, it all goes back to the old days, right? The NFL and, uh, you know, before the merger, uh, and the NFL had its own TV deals and the AFL obviously had its own TV deals, right? And if it wasn't for the AFL's deal with, I think it was ABC, we wouldn't have any of this because Rosell wouldn't have uh, pursued his deal with CBS and the Sports Broadcasting Act of 61 and all of that. Yeah, it's a, it's a great history and a great study. And the cool thing about how that played out is when the merger happened, NBC had been televising the bulk of the biggest games, the playoffs of the AFL. So the so NBC absorbed all of those teams, Chargers, uh, Raiders, Broncos, Chiefs, uh, Oilers. I'm going to leave somebody out. All of the AFC teams were absorbed by the NBC TV deal. And so they became the AFC, the American Football Conference television partner, basically by doing that for the better part of 20 plus years, 25 plus year run of, uh, of being the AFC television partner. And then NBC got out of the, of the weekly uh, multiple games and then came back in as the Sunday night uh, the broadcast outlet in 2006. But that's just fascinating to go back and look in your history. That's how that came about because NBC had been televising the AFL, the American Football League, uh, back in those days on, on that. While, while the NFL had CBS as their TV deal and others and television rules, all of this for sure. All right. Uh, one more item here, and um, that has to do with Chris Fowler, Kirk Herbstreet, the number one guys on ESPN's coverage of college football, ESPN and ABC. It turns out they will be doing a late season NFL game. They've done Monday night games before. John, what do you make of this? Uh, because I've got another follow up question for you. But on the on the face, what do you make of Fowler and Herbstreet back working NFL? Well, you know, I'm, I'm a bit surprised just because the game in question scheduled for January 8th, the National Championship of College Football is scheduled for January 10th. You have Fowler and Herb Street doing the Orange Bowl on New Year's Eve, the Rose Bowl on New Year's Day, the NFL a week after the Rose Bowl, and then the National Championship two days after the NFL. You're going to run them ragged. Uh, you know, I mean, they can, I don't know, I was going to say they can handle it, but, you know, we're talking about four major assignments in, what, less than two weeks' time. I think that's a little bit much, you know? Um, yeah, it's such an interesting one because a lot of people have great respect for Fowler, but, you know, at the same time, he's not the number one guy. We all know that even though he's their number one voice for college football, he's not their number one college football play-by-play voice, right? We know that this was a strategic move, a very shrewd strategic move by Fowler saying, you better give me this number one job or I'm leaving when his contract is <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, promoting Fowler allowed them to keep Fowler and Reese Davis because Reese Davis was then able to get the college game day job. Uh, The only person who ended up on the wrong end was Brent Musburger. And given that Brent couldn't stop talking about his attraction to young women in the stands, eventually (laughs) they're going to have to get rid of him in that role anyway. So, you know, it all worked out, but, you know, we all know that Fowler is not the best voice for that. Uh, We know that he's not at the same level as, you know, McDonough or uh, uh, Tessator or Mark Jones when it, when it comes to that. I mean, that's not a slight against him. The fact is, 
you know, he's not at that particular, I mean, he's, when it comes down to it, when all is said and done, where people still hear the voice of Keith Jackson and think that's the voice of college football. That's right. They're going to think tennis when they think Chris Fowler more than they think college football. So, but that's a good point that you make. And of course, Fowler has now been at ESPN for over 30 years, by the way. Uh, I pop quiz John Lewis on the sportsmediawatch.com podcast. Do you know how he got in the door in Bristol initially? What was his initial role where he was on every week on a weekly show? Do you know what it is? I'm not going to do the Jeopardy theme. The you know, I'm Any idea? I don't know what NFL matchup. Not NFL matchup. Scholastic Sports America was the show. He was the host of the high school national show that they did for kind of filler programming during the week, and it actually got legs and become became a big deal. That led him into a reporting role as an ESPN reporter and on college football games as a reporter, as a sideline person, eventually hosting SportsCenter because of that, and then morphed into the play-by-play of college football and tennis, as you mentioned, as things have gone on. All right, let me hit you with one more thing, and I promise uh, we'll move on here in a second because we've got some other subjects on Love It or Leave It here in a moment. But uh, there is still a belief that – the the NFL is going to redo their deal with ESPN and ABC that's coming up. Um, and then um, that Fowler and Herbstreet may end up being the Monday night football main announcers, that they would do the marquee Saturday, either afternoon or evening game for ESPN, ABC, and then the Monday night game every week on ESPN. One, do you buy that that has legitimacy? especially now that we see them doing a late season NFL game again here on the crazy schedule. And two, what do you make of that? If that's what ESPN is up to here to make another change and maybe have it be Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreet on Monday night football, John. Well, you know, I mean, I wouldn't put it past him, right. You know, uh, we all know that you know, Levy Riddick and greasy are not long for this uh, Monday night world because you know, you certainly, is there any evidence at all that ESPN is committed to those three at all? I mean, you know, they're, they're kind of like Russell Westbrook. The Lakers are already asking for a trade. They're already looking <laughs> around for trades. That's where they are. Uh, so, you know, I, I wouldn't put it past me. I think Fowler and Herb Street on Monday Night Football, again, you're stretching them a little thin. But uh, I think it's worthwhile, right? I mean, you know, why not? Uh, it would be interesting. But I'll defend Steve Levy and Brian Greasy and Lewis Riddick. Uh, They don't need my defense, but I'll just defend them here. If you saw the Rams-Cardinals game on Monday night, which, again, did not have the Manning brothers and the Manning cast competing because they're not doing every game, they were on it. They were on it with insight. Brian Greasy was giving great insight on why Kyler Murray was having success. Lewis Riddick was going on and on about the Rams and their depth and their different players and how they got them. I mean, these guys were on it as a fan who was looking for information and looking for analysis and why things are working and telling you what's going to work or not work. Again, it's no fault of theirs. I -hmm. thought it was a good broadcast in watching that game, but clearly – that's been a revolving door. You mentioned Joe Tessitore. He did it for a couple of years with Booger McFarland and Jason Witten. Before that, Sean McDonough for a couple of years with John Gruden. Is this two and done again for that group? And is it maybe Fowler and Herbstreit? 
I mean, certainly it's no casting aspersions on their performance. I think Levy could be a little bit stronger, honestly. I mean, that's no dig at Steve Levy, but, you know, I mean, he could be a little bit stronger in that role. I think that uh, Riddick and Greasy are fine. They just sound alike, right, which is tough. Uh, Their voices are hard to distinguish, but they're fine. You know, but I mean, it's just there's no, first of all, ESPN just seems to like live to stab people in the back. Like, it just seems like it's a tradition in Bristol. It's like, okay, which one of our loyal employees can we really stick it to this time? And it wouldn't shock me if, you know, that's what happened here, right? I mean, look, they already have created a circumstance where they've undermined these three. I've been saying it all season. I've been saying it from August. The Mannings, as big a success, a success as it's been, it's been a tremendous success, but it undermines those three. It's a, sure. what it is. And I'm sure, I mean, maybe they're all super fine with it. I can't imagine that they would be. No way. <laughs> they right. can't possibly right. be fine with You're it. Right. Uh, but, you know, I mean, they've been undermined. And so it doesn't really matter how well they do. Uh, I, if I were grading them, uh, you know, I, I would probably give Greasy and Riddick uh, solid B pluses. And maybe Levy would get maybe a bit of a B minus, nothing too terrible, right? You know, B minuses. If I put you in charge and it's Fowler and Herb Street that is the decision, do you make Lewis Riddick as part of that package just because what he brings as a former player, he's been working the NFL? Because there's a legitimate criticism that Kirk, Kirk Herb Street didn't really have an NFL career, hasn't worked in the NFL in and around it. You need somebody like Lewis Riddick, who's worked in a front office, by the way, if not a couple of them. And as a former player, you're going to need somebody like that to add to it. And they've been they've been very comfortable with the three man booth for a long time on these big time games. What do you make of that? Well, I think it was, yeah, it was me. I said that. I said if it was you, oh, would you make that part of it if you could wave the magic wand? What about it, John? Yeah, I think that would, I think that could be a good idea. Look, Herb Street is someone I have no problem with Kirk Herb Street, but you can feel the social media, you know, tide turning on him. I think he's now perceived more negatively than positively on social media, right? Which social media, who cares? But that is obviously the executives, for whatever reason, care deeply about what people say on social media and continue to make dumb decisions based on what people say on social media. And look, when it comes down to it, the the tide is turning on Herb Street. I really get the sense there's a great deal of dislike for Herb Street on social media. You can even kind of sense it a little bit with Romo too, but Romo was still mostly liked. But Herb Street, I think just from dating back to that report about Les Miles a million years ago, it's been kind of steadily eroding his perception among the Twitterati. So I think... (laughs) You know, <laughs> I love that I, term. If he were to go to MNF, I think he'd get criticized a lot and very often, even more so than he currently is. There are millions in major cities. I'm not saying major cities don't watch some of college football, but in terms of like New York, Chicago, LA, San Francisco, Oakland, um, Denver, Seattle, I mean, just start going over major cities that don't really care that much about college football. They'll care much more if he's on Monday night football with those games because the NFL is bigger. He also just, I'm adding this, this is TJ saying this, he didn't do himself any favors when he took the social media swipe at everybody complaining about conspiracy this, conspiracy that, how did Cincinnati get in? Again, We could spend 10 more minutes on this, and I don't want to. The simple, boiled-down version is 
Kirk Herbstreet is part of the machine that only wants the biggest name teams and doesn't want the little guys, wants the biggest name teams for the ratings, for the profit, for whatever. You are the last group of people that should be speaking up about it being equitable or fair when you're taking the multi-million dollar check that everybody else is to be part of the machine of how do we make sure the biggest brand names are in this and the little guy, whether he's in it once, whether he's in it once every 10 years or never, doesn't matter. He chose to do that. So when you talk about social media hate, he brought that part on himself. Good luck. Good luck. You know, and Kirk is one of the, Kirk is part of this demographic. It's a very odd demographic of multimillionaires with really great, you know, jobs who are on Twitter at any point in the day. Uh, I don't understand what is possessing Kirk, <laughs> you know, who could probably go out. I don't know what his salary is, but I imagine if he wanted to go take a private jet to Acapulco today on a whim, he probably could. Oh, yeah. You know, overstating what ESPN is paying. No, you're not. You know? So, like, I mean, how he has the time. First of all, you know, I don't have Twitter on my phone. I only ever use Twitter on the laptop. So I'm not one of these people who has Twitter on their phone and you're just constantly there and you have the notifications on. So you're constantly hearing it like I use Twitter too much and I'm not out there tweeting as much as, you know, some of these folks with reputations and millions and millions of dollars in their bank account. I just don't get it. Why ever engage with people who are angry at you and then inflame those people by, you know, letting their negativity make you negative? Right. Especially when, again, I want to reiterate, you can go get a a private jet to Acapulco right now if you want to. Right. And, you know, maybe Kirk is listening to our podcast. Maybe you want to, Kirk, you can go literally anywhere in the world and just have even if it's just like a 24 hour vacation in between assignments. Right. How in the world do you have the time to be on Twitter engaging with people and, you know, getting into conflicts? I just don't. That that's bizarre to me. Well said. All right. Good enough. Uh, We have a fun part of the show and a lot to cover on it, and we've saved it for now. Here we go. Love it or leave it. Topic number one, the finish to the Formula One season, which was very exciting on NBC, the finish to the MLS season, which was very exciting on what ABC on the network, not just ESPN. Those two had great finishes. John, what's your what, love it on both because the the fans of those sports are still raving days later about how uh, what is it Alex Verstappen is the uh, yeah he got he got the Formula One win and then the MLS final was that Portland forgive me I'm not as big a soccer fan that was Portland winning dramatically in the penalty kicks uh, it was the New York City FC I think won that won in the penalty kicks with I think with Portland if I'm wrong the soccer heads yep. can come at me on that. All right, your takes, though, uh, love it or leave it there, on those exciting finishes and the television product. Well, we're talking about two leagues that have media rights deals coming up soon. Uh, They're both expecting big increases, you would think, anyway. Uh, MLS had more viewers Sunday than F1, but MLS was on ABC in the afternoon, albeit opposite the NFL, and F1 was on ESPN 2 in the morning. I think uh, you're talking about an F1 sport that is at a much steeper trajectory upward than MLS. MLS... You know, it did well. I haven't really dug into the numbers that much, but I think, I mean, it did well enough that ESPN put out a press release about it. I don't think they always do that. It was the most watched MLS Cup on the ESPN network since 09. Of course, Fox has it every other year, so that's something to keep in mind. 
fifth most watched MLS Cup ever on ESPN or ABC. So that's pretty good. Um, you know, we're still talking about 1.14 million viewers here. Uh, but, you know, hey, I mean, often we see the MLS compared to the WNBA. If the WNBA got 1.14 million viewers, you know, Kathy Engelbert would be extremely happy. Let's just put it that way. So MLS, certainly, if you're comparing it to the WNBA, it's doing fairly well. The F1 was earlier in the morning, right? Because they were over in the Middle East finishing it with the final race. That would have affected the number, but they still had tremendous drama yeah. at the end of the season. And Lewis Hamilton, the very popular uh, British driver, had won this championship over and over and over again, and it was a big upset that he was beaten. But early in the morning had to have affected it, right? Yeah, but I mean, you get 934,000 viewers on ESPN2. Oh, excuse me, that's the season average, actually. The, the final actually had... Uh, 963,000 on ESPN2 on a Sunday morning. I mean, come on. That says so much. And I can already kind of tell that people are like, you know, F1 is just basically another one of these Ted Lasso things where kind of the, you know, the elite class of tastemakers suddenly finds themselves interested in this thing. And, you know, there's almost certainly part of that, right? But I mean, it's also the case that F1 viewership was trending up last year as well. And uh, there's something there. It's not just a trend. It's not just a fad. Uh, there's something there that uh, certainly uh, ESPN should be very pleased about, and they should really try to hold on to these rights. And the, uh, the Netflix show, I've been told about it all fall, that you should have seen the Netflix show building up to this F1 season, that it got a lot of people interested. And then you have what is ideal, a fantastic finish in the final race to decide the, the F1 championship. And, and bear in mind, folks, we care about the Indy Racing League and NASCAR in this country, and it has audience and viewership. By and large, in the rest of the world, they don't watch that stuff. They know what the Indianapolis 500 is. They know what the Daytona 500 is, but they don't care about the series. All over the globe, they care about Formula One, even in Australia, even in the Far East, Europe, South America. They care about this mightily on, on a season-by-season basis with it traveling. So it's just keep it in perspective. It's kind of like what you talked about with soccer. It is humongous everywhere but in this country. Yeah. So it's kind of the same thing uh, with F1. We need to move along. I've got another subject here. Love it or leave it. The latest edition of the Heisman Trophy, what is suddenly becoming an Alabama Invitational with their fourth Heisman Trophy winner since 2009. That was given out, the Heisman on Saturday night on ESPN. Love it or leave it? Did John Lewis partake when there was virtually no drama that Bryce Young, the Bama quarterback, was going to win? Were you loving you some Heisman presentation or did you leave it for this past weekend? Well, I didn't even remember this existed until you mentioned it to me before the <laughs> taping, right? Uh, you know, no, no one cares about this anymore. The interest level in the Heisman has fallen off a cliff. It was 1.8 million viewers, which, I mean, I haven't even checked to see how that compares to past years. It's a respectable right. number, but it's not what it used to be. The Heisman used to be one of the ESPN's tentpole events would typically get an audience well into the three, four, you know, five million range. It's a complete afterthought now. Uh, and, uh, you know, it doesn't matter who wins. It's, I mean, when Manziel won, it was 4.9 million. You wow. Know? That, and that wasn't even the high point because I know that uh, there was a year when I think it was an Alabama player, you know, as usual. Um, let's see. Uh, Probably Mark, Mark Ingram in 09, right? Would have been about three or four years, yeah, before, two or three six, years before that. Six million. Six that. million. Yes. Uh, RG3 was 4.6 million. Cam was 3.8. 
And that was a relatively low number. Even back in the uh, ancient days, like 02, Carson Palmer was 4 million. Uh, Jason White was 2.9 million. And, you know, I mean, all of those numbers are dramatically better than what, what, what it's become now. So the Heisman is a completely irrelevant event. Uh, you can see the, by the fact that ESPN counter-programmed it with the NBA on ABC. Yeah, interesting, yeah. It used to be well, that the Heisman, they would set aside that post-Heisman window, one of their major documentaries. They don't even do that anymore. And I, I say this all the time and having done sports radio now for the better part of almost 30 years, I can't believe I'm saying that, that the two most recognizable trophies that we have in this country and all of sports that everybody can name and talks about, the Heisman is one of them, and the team one is the Stanley Cup which again, you challenge 10 sports fans in a room, what's the name of the NBA trophy? You might get a couple that know it, more than likely not who it's named for. They all know the Stanley Cup. You say the same thing with the NFL, you might get four or five of them that know that it's the Lombardi trophy, maybe a couple more. They all know it's the Stanley Cup. In terms of the Heisman Trophy, there's no other individual award that compares in terms of retention in the consciousness of the fans. I mean, if I say who was the NFL MVP two years ago, who knows that? I'm not just saying that to John. Who knows that? If I if I say who was the American League Cy Young Award winner last year, we struggle to know these things. But the Heisman is a different thing, and it is neat to have all the former Heisman winners there, which they had. It just didn't have any it didn't have any drama this year because it looked as though Bryce Young was going to win it, and then he had the big SEC championship game, but the number one team, Alabama, and he gets the award. All right, one more topic before we are done. Love it or leave it. And that is going to be all of these Christmas movies that we're now being inundated with left, right, and down the middle. I am curious for John Lewis, sportsmediawatch.com. I don't know if you have a big DVD collection, Blu-ray collection, etc. Do you have Christmas movies? And if so, do we get to do we get a reveal? Do you have, do you own even VHS, maybe going back in the day? Did you own a Christmas movie or two? And if so, what was it? Well, you know, um, I mean, obviously I've seen Home Alone, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, what else? Elf is there. No, I've never you, seen Elf. You've you got to see Elf with Will Ferrell at least once and it's on. What about Christmas Vacation with Chevy Chase? And, you know what's really uh, fascinating? And yeah. I actually watched Vacation just the other day, uh, the original. Uh, okay. And I've only seen Vacation and Vegas Vacation. I have not seen the other ones in between. You have got to see European Vacation. Very funny. Can't get left. Big Ben Parliament. Look, kids, Big Ben Parliament. I'm just quoting that. You'll know what it means when you watch it. And Christmas Vacation has become a classic. And they'll have one of the, I think AMC now has the 24 hours of showing it over and over again. You got to partake a little bit with 19 late 1980s Chevy Chase. Come on. Well, HBO Max has them all. So I'll just right. watch them there. Uh, you know, I might as well, given the increase to the AT&T bill from the unlimited uh-huh. data. And so I might as well get something out of it. Um, but, uh, you know, so that uh, I've not seen Christmas Vacation yet, but I, I have seen uh, uh, Home Alone. Now, you know, for me, it's Christmas TV specials. Uh, Rapture okay. is light, for example, the American Dad episode where uh, the rapture occurs and everyone's left behind, uh, Stan and and uh, Francine, all of the American Dad Christmas episodes, honestly. Uh, that would be, that would be uh, on my list. There's a living single Christmas episode where they go to the cabin and uh, Overton uh, and uh, Sinclair keep getting hassled by this uh, Mountie who really reminds me a lot of Mark Jones. 
Honestly, <laughs> this is mounting this episode of Living Single. And whenever I'm walking, I said, man, this guy really reminds me of Mark Jones. All right. Well, th that's good. Just be glad you're not in my household where the Hallmark Christmas movies and the Hallmark Channel and the Lifetime Channel with the Christmas movies have been on since November. And they're on constantly. Can't take those. But I'm big on a Christmas story. I own it on VHS. I own it now on Blu-ray. I know they show it for 24 hours on TBS. You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Does that even register? With well, John? I, you know what well, it is, but you don't watch it. I mean, I've seen bits and pieces of it through those marathons. I mean, TBS has been airing 24 hours of a Christmas story yep. for 20 plus years. Yes, so that's the osmosis. Everybody knows these references to that film, even if you haven't seen it. In fact, I couldn't tell you for sure. I know I haven't seen all of it, but I'm not sure. Maybe I've seen some of it. I mean, I don't know if it's just the commercials or what, but, you know, eventually... You see some of it. Uh, I like uh, I like all of that. And again, I have I have a collection of some different ones. It's not just It's a Wonderful Life, but there's some other ones too that are all the Christmas favorites and the classics. So there we go with that. Anything else in closing here before we're done on this edition, this pre-Christmas edition of the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast? Anything else, John Lewis? Well, there's a Futurama Christmas special where Bender uh, <clears throat> ends up having to be Santa after Santa gets trapped in the ice. Santa, of course, in Futurama is evil, as you may know. So that's <laughs> a classic. Uh, I love the song The Elves Sing. I consider that to be a Christmas song. There we go. Futurama episode. Oh, that's that's me. That's not the NBC chime. That's It I don't sounded know. like it. I it didn't is. know if the peacock like was it. checking in, but it sounded like it. It sounded like it, but it's not the NBC chime. It's some Christmas Android phone theme. And, <laughs> okay, uh, fair enough. That's their text message. By the way, them. we did get confirmation, we should mention this, that we're not alone on Die Hard as a Christmas movie because Buccaneers defensive lineman and Dominican Sue just put it out there like on a random day last week. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. And I retweeted that and I tagged you and a couple of others to make sure you saw it. So we have some... Uh, how shall we say leverage in terms of a big body, a bodyguard that will sack the quarterback and also fight you figuratively on whether Die Hard is a Christmas movie coming yep. up? Hey, Die Hard. I mean, I never said Die Hard was a great Christmas movie. I just said right. Die Hard has the aesthetic of Christmas. And, you know, that that to me makes it a, a Christmas movie. I love it. You know, I may not? put out my post again for like the third year in a row where the meme is out about warning uh, breaking news hostages taken in downtown LA. And I put the meme out and say to everybody, somebody call John McClain, right? I say, Hey, everybody, uh, yeah. look out. This could be a, a scary situation for somebody to get dropped off, you know, just punch lines, right. things such as that, or put another line on the meme, something like come out to the coast, a little eggnog, a little Turkey. You know what, what right. Bruce Willis is quoting to himself while he's in the air duct trying to hide from the terrorists. We agree. That is a Christmas movie. Uh, including uh, him writing Ho, Ho, Ho. Speaking of that, as I began the podcast on one of the terrorists after he had blown him away and put the Santa hat on him. It's a Christmas movie is what we're yeah. saying about that. Yeah. Why not? And I'll tell you, uh, you know, it was the peak of Bruce Willis's career. That's for sure. He never no did doubt. anything again the rest of his life. Was that 30 something years? Do you think he thought when he was making that movie, you'll never do anything that matters to people? As much I, as I heard him interviewed at one point that he never intended to do another one. He thought it was a one and done action film and that's it. And it became the franchise that he's known for, to your point. So you never know. Nobody knows him for Moonlighting. Very few people remember that Not anymore. Show I remember that show, but it was good. But Memphis's Sybil Shepherd was the female foil there and they were detectives. I love that show, but you're right. Die Hard, far. Yeah. 
far surpasses that in the consciousness of anything else he's done even since then, including, I know he's great in the sixth sense Academy award and all of that. And some other movies, the diehard movies is what he's known for. I think we are good. Anything else, anything else before we're done here, Christmas wise um, or otherwise on the sports media watch.com podcast for now, we're good. You know, I'm going to be very intrigued about the COVID situation. Uh, and uh, you know, it's such an interesting situation because you can't have a normal season while you're also testing vaccinated uh, asymptomatic players. So what we have is all of the leagues decided to go with a normal schedule while also testing like it's March of last year. Right. And they didn't, you know, I mean, look, I'm not saying you shouldn't test unvaccinated asymptomatic people, but if you're going to do that, you can't have a normal schedule. You have to have a schedule that accounts for you can't have the Lakers going to OKC, then back to L.A., then back to Dallas. Right. So if you want normal, you can't test unvaccinated asymptomatic people. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. But if you're going to do that, then you have to build in a schedule sure. that accounts for postponements because you're going to have them. And we're already seeing it. I mean, as we're taping this podcast, what the Bulls are, are on a uh, COVID pause for like their next three games. Did I see it was at the Calgary Flames that are on pause, I think, for three or four games in the NHL. And it dominoes what you're talking about. It affects everybody else's schedule trying to make these games up. And right. we may see more and more of this coming up. Uh, the NFL, we know, is going to play games there. They may they may have to delay a game that could be coming where the game doesn't get played on a Sunday. We saw them do that last year to make sure that everybody can play. Then again, the NFL may say you're playing with who you have and who's healthy. We warned you. Here we go. We're playing on the schedule. Let's see if they hold firm to that as well. But you make a good point about the scheduling and the and the consistency and what it's going to do, especially in the regular season right now for the NHL and the NBA and how, I mean, I keep looking at this before we go with the Canadian part of it. They have gone to greater restrictions on forced forcing you for vaccination to enter and exit the country. For example, I can foresee them beginning to shut it down province to province again. And then how did the Canadian teams play each other, work that out? What about the fans of the teams that want to go to the different games? How do they work that out? It could be a mess in Canada for the NHL. And of course, the NBA has the one team, Toronto, that's there that could yeah. be affected as well. So we'll yeah, see. Heading back to your neck of the woods there. Could Tampa be back Raptors, in Champa yeah. Bay. Come back to Tampa Bay to play the Toronto Raptors. Maybe on some of that, we'll see. John, listen, always love the insight. Again, everybody should read the site, sportsmediawatch.com. Follow him on Twitter at Paulson underscore SMW. On Twitter, Paulson, the, uh, the pen name, P-A-U-L-S-E-N underscore uh, SMW uh, for his Twitter handle. Uh, we always love getting a chat here and mix it up on the podcast. Hope you had fun for another one. And we say again to the audience, make that list, check it twice. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, etc. cetera. Uh, here from us, John, thank you. As always, I appreciate it. Hey, no problem. And uh, Hanukkah already happened, right? Hanukkah is really Hanukkah good. done. Kwanzaa about to happen. Christmas on the way. I joke from Seinfeld from the 90s. Festivus for the rest of us. Whatever, whatever it takes with all of that. Festivus was tremendous back in the day on Seinfeld. The airing of grievances. I think we've aired all of ours on this episode. John, thank you. And we thank you for being with us on the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The new Super Beats Heart Shoes Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeats, B-E-E-T-S dot com and save 15% with promo code DEAL.